and welcome to another episode of The Volume Knob, The Songs That Saved Your Life. This week, David and Rock Show. Hey friends, welcome to Canada's third or fourth favorite mashup of music appreciation and universal emotion. This is, of course, TVK, where I happily share personal stories about the emotional power of music every couple of weeks. Thanks for coming, thanks for staying, and please join me in offering a warm virtual welcome to this week's guest. My name is David Lawson, and I am someone who talks on stage. The song that saved my life is The Rock Show by Blink-182. David's story reminds me a little bit of... uh, t-shirt that I recently impulse bought online. I was on Instagram Reels recently, uh, wasting my life 20 seconds at a time, when I saw a clip from a bad religion show. The band are blazing through American Jesus at a festival. It, it looks somewhat silly for middle-aged dudes to be playing that hard, but somehow it works. Anyway, Jay Bentley, the bassist, is wearing a white t-shirt with a black flag logo on it which is at a certain level no surprise, right? Punk bands, honoring punk bands, except instead of black flag, the text on the t-shirt reads black coffee. And I immediately closed Instagram and bought the shirt, not because I'm a hardcore punk rocker or because here in my early 50s, I have any idea of what is cool. I liked it because it subverted expectations and I like caffeine. David's story is, in a way, about some of those emotions as well. It's about what happens when you don't quite fit in, what happens when you bump up against people's assertions of what's cool and what's not, and where you can end up when you don't really care. Here's David. When I was a freshman in high school, I was in the drama club. Some kids there had Black Flag shirts and Ramones shirts, and I love those bands, but for those kids in the Black Flag and Ramones shirts, I wasn't punk enough for them. But for other kids, I was also way too weird for them, like Dan. Dan was this guy I would hang out with pretty regularly. Dan had blonde hair, soft pretty boy features. Dan played lacrosse. I was Dan's funny, geeky friend. Dan definitely had more sports and more girls going on in his life than I did. The only reason Dan kept me around was because he thought I was funny. And I didn't just assume this. Dan had once flat out told me, David, you're a nerd. You're a loser. But you're funny. And that's why I hang out with you. And after he told me this, which really hurt my feelings, I just kept hanging out with Dan. I was not punk enough for the punk kids. I was too weird for a lot of other kids. The thing that struck the middle ground between the two was the music of a band I loved, Blink-182. With their buzzsaw guitars, driving drums, and lyrics about how adults don't know what the hell they're doing, Blink-182 had a lot about them that was punk. 
but they also had a more polished, poppier sound and image. They were one of the most popular music acts in the world. They were on MTV's Total Request Live with pop acts like Britney Spears, rap acts like OutKast. In the spring of 2001, I was a high school freshman. Blink-182 announced they were going to do all these small shows, venues that held about 1,000 people, which was a huge deal for one of the biggest music acts in the world. One of the dates was at the 930 Club, the famous rock club in Washington, D.C., the city I grew up about 15 miles outside of in Annandale, Virginia. It was one of those shows you had to get tickets to in the first few seconds or it would sell out. And thanks to my mother, waiting on a line for three hours, I got those tickets. Thank you, Mom. Who was 15-year-old David besides being funny? It sounds, is he, is he searching for something? Is he, is he you know, happy with who, he's, with who, who he is and what he's doing? 15-year-old David Lawson. Definitely a class clown type of person. Definitely a nerdy type of person. I had the glasses, the acne. I still have a lot of that going on at age 36. But um, I don't know. I don't think 15-year-old me was super happy with with who he was. I guess it's more important that 36-year-old David Lawson, looking back at 15-year-old David Lawson, was like, oh, look at this kid. He's got a ton of heart. He's cracking a ton of jokes. Go, kid, go. I went to see Blink-182 at the 930 Club with the aforementioned Dan. After the opening bands, I was waiting for Blink-182 to go on stage, really close to the stage. I'm nearly hyperventilating with excitement for Blink-182 to hit the stage. The lights go down. They hit the stage. I'm flipping the hell out. I can't stop thinking, there they are. That's them right there. I am this close to them. The crowd at the 930 Club would often push forward at the beginning of a show, people trying to get a good position right as the band goes on. I had been at the 930 Club for shows before. I knew of this pushing forward, but this push forward to the stage was the hardest one I had ever felt there. One minute into their first song, Don't Leave Me, I get pushed forward into that awful thing that had formed right near the front of the stage, the dreaded mosh pit. If you, like me, wear glasses and don't enjoy the physical act of fighting, then the mosh pit, not exactly your scene. Maybe you're thinking, David, how could there be an intense mosh pit at a Blink-182 concert in 2001? Well, despite what you might think and what my drama club classmates wearing black flag t-shirts might think, it wasn't just teeny boppers and nerdy kids like me at the show. No, no, there were some big athletic jock Dan type of kids who wanted to slam into each other. I get shoved into the dreaded mosh pit. I get hit so violently hard in the head, my glasses go flying off into the crowd. I got hit so hard I had to run to the back of the 930 Club because I am crying. I couldn't believe that after waiting so long, 
for this amazing thing just moments into this show, into feeling this intense joy. There they are, that now here I was. No glasses, blurry vision, bawling my eyes out. After a few songs, I collect myself, uh, tell myself to go back out there, make the best of the night, enjoy the music, enjoy what is now through my eyes, blurry 182. I find Dan, and he sees me, and he does the good old teenage toxic masculinity move of saying, you've been crying, right? Right? You look like you've been crying. You were totally crying. And I had to be like, no, no, I I didn't cry. I don't cry. I think right then and there, I was making the decision. (laughs) I really need some better friends in my life besides Dan. couldn't entirely see what was going on on stage that well, but the show still ended up being great. At one point in the show, about 25 feet to my right, a woman on top of someone else's shoulders pulled her top off, and I, 15 years old, no glasses, tried so hard to see anything I have never squinted harder in my life. The next day, my father, who has worked in downtown D.C. since the late 1970s, my dad was on his lunch break, and he went into the 930 Club trying to see if anyone turned in my glasses. And someone did. My glasses were there, fully intact. Thank you so much, Dad. That night, Blink-182 played a bunch of songs that they were working out for their next album, and one of them was the song The Rock Show which became a pretty big hit for them, and which is about going to a rock show and falling in love with a girl. But when I hear that song, I don't think about falling in love at a rock show. I think about literally getting forced forward into a crowd I did not belong in, getting hit in the head in that mosh pit, losing my glasses, crying really hard, getting bullied by my quote-unquote friend, and squinting really hard at a topless woman. Blink-182 once did a interview for Rolling Stone magazine. Their bassist and recent cancer survivor, Mark Hoppus, said something that meant a lot to me in this interview that they gave over 20 years ago, but means even more to me now. Mark Hoppus said... The biggest compliment I've ever received in this band was a kid saying we opened up his eyes to a new style of music. We are kind of like Fisher Price, my first punk band. Blink-182 opened two very different doors for me, two very different doors that led in very different directions. Because of the company they kept on NTV and on the radio, they opened a lot of doors to enjoying a lot of the pop and rap music that they were sharing the airwaves with. But because of those buzzsaw guitars, driving drums, questioning authority, they also made me listen to a lot of the more quote-unquote legit punk bands. They were my Fisher-Price, my first punk band. 
a stepping stone to much weirder stuff. Because as a high school freshman, maybe I wasn't punk enough for the kids in drama club. Maybe I was too weird for a lacrosse playing, ladies love him, bully like Dan. But Blink-182 opened the doors to both weirder stuff and poppier stuff. So maybe you listening to this also had a Fisher-Price, my first punk band. A band that opened the doors to you listening to all kinds of different music. And to making all kinds of different friends. So here's to those Fisher-Price, my first punk bands. Here's to the doors they opened, to new sounds, new friendships, and here's to continuing to find new doors, opening them up, and walking through them. Hey friend, thanks for listening. The Volume Knob is a bi-monthly exploration of music and the way it makes us feel. Many thanks to the talented David Lawson for being such a professional and patient person to create with this week. Be sure to get over to the Volume Knob website, which is www.volumeknob.net, where you can read show notes with links to all sorts of information about David and his performances. While you're on the website, be sure to sign up for the Volume Knob mailing list to get our eh, quarterly now newsletter. It's been a while. My thanks to Kate, who is one week short of her 13th birthday, for her 30-second review of The Rock Show. So, tell me what you think. Okay, well, first of all, I think that the actual, like, the song. Now, I'm not talking about, like, the lyrics, but I'm talking about, like, the actual music of it was really good. Except... The lyrics just sounded like some 15-year-old kid who has a talking problem and won't shut up when he's talking to his friends. So what did you like about the music? I don't know. It was just fun. Loud? Yeah. As always, The Volume Knob is produced by some of an audio and is hosted, mixed, edited, written, and sound designed by me. My name is Keith Seri, and I'm the podcast producer who is the primary cook here at TVK World Headquarters. My kids are used to it, but sometimes they're not that sensitive. In fact, last week I was in the kitchen chopping onions for chili when my son Miles suddenly got a little confrontational. You've been crying, right? Right? You look like you've been crying. You were totally crying. I'll see you again in a couple weeks with another story about the songs that saved your life.